1: Well, welcome back to uh, another episode of All Talk with Jason Mike. And can I start by saying how much Mike and I genuinely appreciate the privilege of your attention? And uh, Mike Minogue, it's good to see you, mate. You're sounding a bit husky.
2: Yeah, I am a little bit husky, aren't I? It sounds like I've come down with something. Yeah. Uh, but I don't think I have. I think it's just uh, a little bit of. You know, nicotine, bit of smoke at the back of the throat. There, just working its magic, flemming me up.
1: Yes. Well, there has been uh, those who have suggested actually that the only reason you're doing this podcast is so that you can leave Waiheke Island where you reside, of course, mm. and and hang out with me and smoke durries uh, away from your from your lovely wife. Um, because I've noticed, interestingly enough, when you do have a cigarette here, when we when we're doing the podcast, you wear rubber gloves. You've got scarves all around your head. Uh, you cover yourself. Is that to hide the incriminating stench of cigarettes from your beloved?
2: Well, since you've brought it up, Jace, the, re- the the person that's brought that up and suggested that is the reason. It's it's you that suggested that. Um, but it's an untruth. Right, okay. And I won't allow an untruth. And the only reason I've got a bit of a smoker's cough is because I hang around with you. Right. And you're knocking over 40 to 50 a day. And I have to breathe it in. So, this huskiness that you can hear in my voice is a direct result and is proof um, that, uh, that sort of being in the same room as a habitual, horrific, scummy, miserable smoker. Can have an effect on other people's uh, health, which is yeah. a real shame. Well, it is a real shame,
1: mate, and I apologise if that is the case. And uh, and to be fair to you, it's she's pretty cloudy in here in the studio at the moment. And um, you know, I'll, I'll try and be cognizant of that fact the next time we do a podcast, and I'll, I'll make sure that I do my my wheezing and my fagging and my durrying outside said studio. Oh no, don't do that. Oh, okay, because
2: that's the only way I can get. My oh, wait, right, your second hand. I like. I notice that you you hate to have a cigarette out, don't you? You light one off the. Last one. You're just constantly going. I imagine you sitting at home in your lazy boy, Mm. um, with your feet up, reclined, glasses on the tip of your nose, glass of tea, cup of tea in your hand, and just your jersey just littered with ash. Yes,
1: very much. So don't forget, don't leave out the holy trackies as well. You know, I've got my my trackies that I like to wear when I'm on the lazy boy. And, and I've well, actually, I do have ash all over my chest, but I've got a fantastic uh, uh, ashtray built into the arm of the lazy boy there, which is extremely helpful. But listen, mate, um, I tell you what, we have been uh, once again inundated from all of our fans out there uh, with... Uh, A number of questions with uh, uh, seeking our advice, praising the podcast. Mm. But the thing I have been hugely excited about, Mike, and I don't know if you've noticed this, is the amount of female listeners we have at the moment. Mm. Um, And I can honestly say that four or five female listeners have got in touch with me, and and that's encouraging to Mm. me. I mean, to be fair, they've all hated the podcast, um, but the fact that they've made the effort in the first place, I find a really positive sign looking, looking forward for the podcast.
2: Well, it means you're connecting, doesn't it? Yes. You know, um, and they're, if they're, somebody's taken the time out of their very busy schedule to contact us to tell us that they hate our show, I regard that as some sort of success.
1: Yes, I think so. Mm. I think that's a plus in our column. Just on that, incidentally, uh, Mike and I have been discussing the prospect of doing a woman's issue, a a woman's issue uh, segment in the show where Mm. we specifically deal with women's issues. And, you know, as we've said in the past, uh, both being men of experience, I think that could be a really beneficial thing for our female listeners.
2: Well, that's right. So often uh, when it comes to women's issues, you sort of find that the ones giving the advice are other woman, Yes. And I don't know if that's really the way to go. Because well, they don't have the perspective, do no. they? Uh,
1: and, and I think in order to give good advice, you need to be somewhat removed <laughs> that's from, right. from from the situation. And I think when women answer other women's problems, there is that emotional connection that they have that sometimes can distort and indeed cloud some of the advice that they're attempting to give. That's
2: right. They can't see the forest um, for the emotional trees. Yes. Yeah, and they're all in the sort of the same forest here. So what we'll be able to do is Get above that forest and look down um, on the Amazonian. Through the, the cigarette yeah, smoke. Yeah, the burning Amazonian issues that are, are the problems that women are facing, um, both real and and largely imagined.
1: Yes, indeed. Hey, also I noticed with interest, um, I, I saw on Facebook there that Wellington Paranormal is uh, up for a number of awards. You specifically, I noted, aren't up for any awards, but I've, I've already noticed you sort of attaching yourself to the award process, and I, as soon as I saw that, I thought to myself, oh, my God, he's going to be unbearable. There's going to be cashews everywhere.
2: Well, look, you've read that wrong. So what's happened is there, uh, the awards for for the 2020 New Zealand Television Awards, a list of nominees, the finalists have come out, is what Jace is referring to. And, and I saw that list and uh, it came up and I quickly opened it up and I ran my eye down it, ran my eye down it. Oh, my name's not there. Yeah. well there must be some kind of, back to the top, down, down, down. No, this is Best Actors. Surely I should be in here, not there, not there, huh? There must be some kind of mistake, but assuming there's not, I should very quickly congratulate everybody else.
1: Yeah, well, that, that was the thing that I did know, how quick you were to congratulate everyone that was mm-hmm. getting an award. Um, but it, I, To say it didn't ring true would be a little harsh. Um, but there seemed to be an element of "what about me?" about it, if you know what I mean. And uh, and I noticed that you, as I say, you just immediately associated the fact that you, of course, worked on Wellington Paranormal, and as a consequence, as a kind of surrogate second prize, you 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 too have been nominated for set awards.
2: Yeah, I sort of leached my way on there. Look, I wasn't nominated, mate, and to be perfectly honest, you know, I wasn't surprised. Mm. you know and i don't think you were either you were quick to point out to me that you were very shocked that i was nominated last year mm. and and disgusted that i'd won if i remember your, your phrasing correctly um but i am i know, was
1: going to say disgust is too harsh but actually i don't think it is
2: but i think um you know there's a lot of work goes on beside, behind the scenes Jace, as you'll know as a sure. seasoned actor and you're not going to start taking credit for behind the scenes work now are you? i just think that the people that put in the work behind the scenes that don't often get the credit, Mm. this is their night of nights, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. um, So again, just congratulations to uh, the writers who I made look good. Sure, mate. Uh, And uh, whoever else was nominated. Yeah, well,
1: congratulations to all those people that have been uh, nominated. You up for for anything this year, mate?
2: No, no, Mike, I'm not.
1: Um, But right now, it's time to get into a bit of men's health.
2: Mm. Can you have a look at this, mate? I've got a bit of a lump on me... um, Oh, Jesus. Men's Health with Jason
1: Mike. Well, here we go. uh, Men's Health, and this is a great one. Hi, guys. Just wondering if Mike's eye is really made of glass. Heard on Bougia, so that must have been some time ago, Mike, um, that it is, but wasn't sure if it was a yarn over the Instagram there from Henry.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, for those of you who don't know, Radio Booja is a show that Jace was on with Lee Hart on Radio Hodaki some time ago and uh, highly successful. And this is news to me. Award winning, actually. Oh, was it? Yeah. Really? I don't
1: like to talk about awards, though, but we did win a lot of awards.
2: Actually, I vaguely remember you carpet bombing Facebook uh, once those awards were announced. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I actually had to um, delete my Facebook account for a couple of months. I was oh, so is that tired why you did seen them. Mm. Um, well, it's a great question. I'll be honest with you here. I didn't know that you'd uh, revealed this about me mm. on the radio.
1: Well, I, I, there's an interesting thing. You, you've got prominent eyes. Can I say that? <laughs> and um, and they can – I like it. I'll let the people know, actually. Mike and I at the moment are currently doing a writing course together, aren't mm, we, Mike? We are. Um, to, to improve ourselves as we try and get a, a television series on air. And, and I was noticing while we were doing this Zoom writing meeting with about six other potential writers, first and foremost, um, that you were dressed in your pyjamas, which I thought was tremendously unprofessional. But then every now and then you have this disconcerting habit of what I call an eye bulge, or <laughs> where your eyes suddenly go wide, you know. And I liken it... You, you remember old movies, for example, where perhaps a damsel in distress faints and they put the, the smelling salts under the nose and they recoil back. It's sort of similar to that or, or very similar to someone who suddenly smashed a line of speed.
2: Well, you would have noticed uh, during that riding class, Jace, that when my eyes did bulge out of my sockets, it's when you'd come out with some line of horse shit. Oh, is that what it was? <laughs> I was sort of recoiling at the words that were emanating from your mouth. I was sort of shocked. Yeah. um, well, I thought
1: I had some quite good ideas. Are you talking about the... uh, the No, you did.
2: But but also there was, um, you know, you're talking about me and my pyjamas, but at least I was wearing something. The first Mm. time my eyes bulged was when you got out of your chair to go and get your cup of tea, and um, you were wearing nothing downstairs.
1: Yeah, well, that was just... One of those scenarios because I was running late, I, I just came straight from the shower to the actual writing course, and uh, you know I was a little bit frantic. You know I get a little bit frazzled by technology, yeah, and so I was busy trying to get into the Zoom meeting mm. uh, and completely forgot about pants. Yeah, um, but I didn't realise that I'd actually stood up and revealed that. But it's it's good to know because they were weird with me at the end of that first session. I I found
2: well, I quite I quite liked seeing one because it reminded me of what a normal one does look like.
1: Yes. As opposed to your chewed up... Um, Half sausage. Um, but So so are you saying then emphatically to <coughs> Henry over the Instagram that it is not in fact a glass eye? Uh,
2: no, I'm not saying that. I, I believe the question was that I didn't know that you'd revealed it on air and then you went into a, a long diatribe about me having bulging eyes without ever getting to the point that it was raised on your radio show.
1: Right, I see.
2: We sort of got sidetracked into you criticizing me and begging me for having bulging eyes
1: well they're not bulging they're not bulging all the time it's just you have this as i say it's very similar you'll be looking perfectly normal and sitting there very normally and and then all of a sudden it's like someone's put some smelling salts under your nose and you just recoil back it's to be honest a little bit alarming and off-putting
2: it's it's a similar look actually um Is when you're getting your prostate examination. Very similar, you
1: know. I tend to have a bit of bulgy eye when that happens as well. Yeah, a few other things bulging when that happens, but um, yeah, fascinating stuff, isn't it? But but you you revealed it too. Yeah,
2: you revealed it on Boujo that I had a glass eye, and I just wondered where you got that information.
1: I think it was just something that Lee had heard actually. and he he put it out there just to in in the hope i guess that someone in the audience might have the answer to the actual question of whether in fact you did in fact have a glass eye
2: sure okay well i have got an issue with my eye Uh, my left eye i was hit in the eye with a skyrocket when i was 18. wow Um, i was at a party Uh, a mate of mine was uh, boozed and he was he was behind me going mike 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 but i was trying to persuade a young lady um, that I was interested in at the time, so it was about the ninth mic before I turned around. And what I didn't know is that he would put a skyrocket into a beer bottle and it was pointing it at my head. I see. Yeah. And uh, so by the t- his idea was that when I turned around, he would he would point the beer bottle elsewhere and it would go away. But because I took so long to turn around, when I did, it was too late for him to to move the bottle, and I was struck directly on the eyeball. Which eyeball was it? The it's left my, one. My left eye.
1: Well, because that's weird. It's the right one that's weird. So can I, just to set the record straight here, so a skyrocket went straight into your left eye. That's right. At full volume. At, at Yeah, wow. high speed.
2: Okay. And it laid me out, and it gave me a traumatic cataract, which had to be cut out.
1: Yes. Um, and I'm You've down- had some medical traumas in your life, haven't you? Boy. That,
2: that's only a couple of them. Right. And uh, so since then, I'm down to about 20% vision, um, and... Yeah, as a result of that, it was just they were actually getting it was getting progressively worse. So the sight was diminishing. Um and as with my mother who didn't know that you're meant to clean out the foreskin. Yes. You know, which led to my disfigurement. I wasn't told that I meant I was meant to be giving the eye an eye bath, a saline washout. So my, my eyeball actually started rotting out as well. Far out.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um so eventually they did put a they put a glass eye in there. Yes, um, and it's been in there probably. What was that? That was two thousand and three, so twenty-two year.
1: Wow, that's amazing. Oh no, because years, as I yeah. say,
2: if 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 I was going to pick
1: an eye in terms of what eye was the Munti one, I would have gone for your right one. Yeah, uh, but you're actually saying that it's your left eye that is the Munti one, yeah. and that actually looks the most normal to me. Um, so there you go. So I hope that uh, answers your question. Was it Henry on the Instagram? Yeah,
2: I think it's it's got an eye at the end, so I think it's Henri.
1: Henri, I see. Yeah. Yeah, very nice. All right, shall we get into a bit of relationship advice, uh, Sounds Mike? Sounds good.
2: I think she's cheating on me. It's Relationship Advice with Jace and Mike. So I just got this, uh, this fantastic letter in here from Ginny on the email. And it begins, Hi fellas, my boyfriend and I have been together for a year, but the only time we seem to relax in each other's company is after a few drinks. Truth be told, I don't find him attractive until I near the bottom of my first bottle of wine. Yeah. Is this normal? And that's uh, that's Ginny on the email. What's your experience there, mate?
1: Oh, look, I think uh, I've certainly, I can relate. Mm. Uh, I've certainly been in a lot of relationships where the woman that I've been dating have drunk very heavily in my presence. Um, and and there, if I'm being totally honest about it, there have been times where I have thought to myself, are they doing that because they really actually can't stand me? It's Mm. like, uh, you know, before you have to go and do something you're not looking forward to, like, for example, making love to me, um, they have to sort of fortify themselves Mm. against the prospect and, you know, they might go through one, two bottles of wine before they even consider the fact that they'll make love to me.
2: What about yourself? Look, I've had experiences where I've been in the company of somebody where it's been unbearable Um, and I have thought look the only way I'm going to be able to get through this is if I get drunk yes then the problem that I had was that the person that I was with then they wanted to start drinking as well and being of a smaller stature um, got drunker faster than me and was even more annoying than the sober version
1: I see what you're saying. Yeah,
2: yeah. So it was it was um, it was a lose lose situation, really. That one, Um, but in the
1: case that was your fourth wife, if (laughs) I recall. uh, If I'm being specific about it, I think no,
2: that was number three. She she was number three. Oh, number three. I wasn't going to start pointing fingers, but um, yeah, that that ended sooner than it began, almost. If you know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. It seemed like a good idea at the time to get him married.
1: Yeah. Well, can I ask? I mean, how did you find yourself? In that situation, in the first place. Like, presumably, if you don't find someone attractive, you don't tend to marry them.
2: Well, I think you can be attractive on a, and you won't know this, Jace, but some people are attracted to you on a physical level.
1: Sure. Sure.
2: And so. Your biological um, intuition and instincts, that can lead you down the wrong garden path.
1: I see what you're saying, yeah.
2: Um, you know, so
1: you're, you're being driven, in essence, by lust.
2: Yeah, that's right.
1: Yeah. Well, it's interesting because I remember you talking about your second wife and I could never understand that particular relationship. And a lot of, I remember a lot of people at the time were going, that's such a weird partnership. Yeah. And you were saying to me that, um, in essence, you were pissed the entire time. Um, as a way of well, firstly getting into the relationship and then ending up marrying her.
2: Yeah, and then staying in it,
1: and and staying in the relationship. Yeah, yeah and
2: as soon as I sobered up, I got divorced. Yes, um, but she divorced me mm. because she didn't like the sober me. No, not at all. No, I no. was happy to stay in it.
1: Well, I mean, it's difficult, isn't it? I mean, if because the, the I imagine the pissed you is slightly more amicable and friendly, but the sober you probably. Got a harsher streak, uh, probably says says what you mean, you know, say what you mean type thing and probably destroyed her
2: very fragile <laughs> emotional state. Well, I was a younger man then as well, so yes. I was a bit more blunt. Yeah. Um, I've softened over the years, Jace, which is weird because I know that you've actually... We all actually, soften over the years, mate. I, I hear that, you know... You've become more miserable as yep. time's gone by, mm. um, which doesn't bode well, does it? I mean, you got you still got plenty of years left in front of you. So,
1: well, one would hope so, Mike. Um, but the, you know, this is the interesting thing. Like with my wife at the moment, is that when we first met, um, she didn't drink, right, and now she's a cask of wine a night. Um, so you know, it's it does make you question what's going on when that's kind of that's kind of happening.
2: Yeah, I think really, Ginny, it's more normal than you'd think. Um, It's probably a lot more common than you would have heard, but that doesn't mean it's something that you should stick with. Um, I mean, for me, I guess it really depends on the quality of the wine. Sure. If you're drinking a really nice drop of wine, um, then why wouldn't you want to get drunk every day? Yeah. Um, If you're drinking trash wine, uh, then you might want to rethink it. And and is it affecting um, your bank balance? Um, are you spending all your money on this really good wine? Um, well, this
1: is the thing, and that's a really good point that you make, because when you're in a marriage and you're, you're just not into your partner at all, in fact, you despise them, there has to be the consistency of drinking in order to to get through it. Yeah, and And that's very hard to do if you're buying quality wines all the time. Whereas if you get your cask, your cask wine, you know, you can sort of... It's not such a, a, a painful dent on the back balance. Totally right. Bank balance, and, and
2: the problem that I find with a, a bottle of wine is, is when you're in an unbearable conversation with your partner, and you nip out to the kitchen and 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 rip the top off the bottle of wine. It takes forever to glug it down. Whereas with yes. the cask, you can open the fridge door. You've already got the cask perched over the shelf. You can just stick your head in, yes. turn the tap on, and uh, just go for your life. And by the time you walk back out into the lounge, you've sort of you've uh, warmed your hearth somewhat.
1: Yeah, yeah, you're as pissed as a chook. Um, but yeah, as you were saying, Mike, I, and I actually agree with this, I think it's way more common than, than we think mm. in terms of people drinking simply to be able to exist in their relationships.
2: Absolutely. and I, that, I will say, though, Jenny, I think I think you're putting a lot of pressure on yourself. And I'll say this about a lot of the letters that we get in. People out there, you're putting a lot of pressure on yourself. You've been in this relationship with your boyfriend for a year. And now, the only time you find them attractive is when you've had a bottle of wine. Is this normal? after a year? Yes, mm. I mean, the sex should have practically dried up by now anyway. If you've been in that relationship for a full twelve months, you yes. know if you're having it more than once a month, you know there's something wrong. yeah. um so if you're having to drink to have sex with them, just don't drink and don't have sex with them. Yes, and that's that's normal.
1: Is yeah. that your experience James? Yeah, it is my experience actually. Um you know, and I think about my own drinking of course in that regard and when I when I first started dating my wife I guess or courting mm. um, you know, I didn't drink at all, but ever since we've been married it's just gradually incrementally increased. Yeah. Um very parallel to the levels of pain and disquiet I feel about being in said marriage. Yeah. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Uh, and 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 the disillusionment Mm. Um, the and you talked about you know that I'm, I'm getting more melancholic as I get older, and it's true. As you realise that you know you're in this relationship, you're drinking very very heavily. You're increasingly unhappy, and thus you have to drink more. It's just it's just a downward spiral, isn't it?
2: Yeah, it's good fun though. eh? good oh, times. It's good. it's good fun. Yeah, I like yeah, it. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, so who was what was her name?
2: Jenny on the uh, on the email there. So you know, just to just to wrap it up. Once again Ginny just don't put too much pressure on yourself um, you know the question that you're asking yourself is do you enjoy drinking A and do you enjoy having sex with your boyfriend B if the answer to either of those is no, then just stop doing both of them. Um, and if it's yes to one and no to the other, then just do the one to allow the other one to take place. Yeah. Um, the thing is, you know, a lot of people say, Jace, that it's hard to give up drinking," and that if you're excessively drinking every single day for many, many years, um, you can find yourself in a very dark place. But that might be different for you, so give it a go.
1: Yeah, I'd say give it a whack. And uh, and as we mentioned earlier, um, you know. Y- in terms of your bank balance, you really need to go your cask wine, uh, particularly when you get into that massively heavy drinking period. Yeah, you know, after the first sort of five years of your marriage, that sort of between the five and ten year mark, I believe is when I started drinking cask.
2: Yeah, and also, does your boyfriend like? Um, I'm getting the feeling, generally, that you're sort of in your mid twenties. Does your boyfriend like smoking? Because a lot of millennials now they hate smoking. Yeah, so take up smoking. Yeah, if you're reeking of cigarettes, he's not going to want to come near you. And then when you get into big arguments about there not being enough sex, you you can lay the blame directly at his feet.
1: Oh, look, and I'll tell you what else. Um, there's nothing like a cask wine power chunder to actually, uh, you know, really put your partner off as well. A big sort of outpouring of
2: cheap red wine from the cask, especially when you're in the uh, woman astride position.
1: Yes, very much so. So there you go, Jenny. Uh, thanks for the uh, letter, though. Uh, we certainly appreciate it, and a really good question, wasn't it? A really sense. good yeah. question.
2: Keep them coming.
1: Uh, but I'll tell you what we're going to get into now, um, and that's sports.
2: He's been doing it all day, ref. It's over. Run, 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 run. Kick. Sports chat with Jason Mike. So I've got this email that's coming in here, Jace. Um G'day, guys. I don't really want to hear a couple of old men talk sports when they've never played a game of rugby in their lives. Sure, cricket's fine, but soccer? Just keep your opinions to yourselves, and that's from from Phyllis in Uganda.
1: Well, first and foremost, can I just say how excited I am that we've uh, been given a message all the way from Uganda, and it just goes to show, doesn't it, Mike, that this podcast is spreading like a virus throughout the world uh, it's uh, it's really encouraging to us to know that Phyllis from the Uganda is listening, and I think she makes, to some degree, a fair point. Yeah, it's the, uh, it's the home of podcasts, they say, Uganda, the birthplace. Yes. Um, well, you know, there's been a lot of people, actually, that question why Mike and I should be talking about sport, and I believe we addressed in our first podcast, Mike, actually, hang on a second, fellas, what gives you two the right... To talk about sports, and I thought we, I thought we covered that off pretty well myself.
2: Well, we did. We we talked about our experiences as as youths, um, yourself in Rotorua and myself in and Levin um, playing football, soccer when we were growing up, and the uh, uh, incredible amount of skill that we had uh, in that area. Um, then that wasn't enough for the listeners. They wanted to hear about our cricket uh, pedigree, which we discussed. Um, you know, in a, at in length. A, yeah, in the in the next episode, and now we're being questioned about rugby because apparently rugby is the only sport um, in this country. But were you a big rugby guy growing up? Yeah, look, I um I was because New Zealand, of course, is the home of rugby. Well, isn't
1: absolutely, it, it is. Uh, it is the home of rugby, and so that's why I understood um, Phyllis's question mm. actually because it makes sense to me because in New Zealand we don't like talking soccer, do we? Um, it's always. Considered a slightly camp
2: sport. Well, for some every reason. time you bring up your, um, you know, your goalkeeping career, I think, Jesus.
1: Yeah, I mean, well, you were talking about the fact that what a great striker you were, and uh, you know, I found that tedious. So it, it's interesting that we actually ended up talking about soccer, given that you hated my stories and I hated yours.
2: Yeah, I was being polite,
1: um, but I think it's it is a very good point because New Zealand is a rugby mad nation. Yeah. Uh, I was captain of the third fifteen rugby.
2: How many kids at your school?
1: Ah, uh, 300. Um, and, and I think I may have even mentioned this before. Um, 150
2: of those were girls?
1: 150 girls, yeah. And, and we did it by weight back then. So I was a seventh former, and I was captain of the third, third 15 rugby. And I think I've mentioned before, the rest of the team were all third formers because they were the same size as me. Um, but what I can tell you is that I was a great skipper, that yeah. I led from the front, oh, yeah. that I took it up the guts that I cleared out those rucks, and uh, I I, I knew what I was about on the field. What position did you play? I didn't... I was usually on reserve, but, um, you know, when I got on, usually your nippy little halfback uh, or your chatty first five. I did play open side flanker for a little while, but that was just a disaster. Ten minutes
2: in the second half. Yeah, ten minutes in the
1: second half. We actually had a rule, actually, um, for our particular team...
2: That you weren't allowed in the showers.
1: Well, that as well, but also cuz we used to get a hiding from every team we played like we literally would get a hiding it and we made a rule that if we were getting beaten by 50 points or more then we'd just start a fight
2: we had the same rule yeah we had the same rule yeah
1: it's like we're clearly being humiliated here so just throw a couple of wild haymakers after a lineout yeah you know what i mean yeah we well, just close the eyes and throw that big swinging fist
2: the idea being you know um, that you've you've lost the game but you'll win the fight Exactly. Now, the problem with that, of course, is that <laughs> you're the only one over 13 years of age in that team. Yeah. And probably playing against guys that are, you know, well, fairly it, handy.
1: It, 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 um it added to the humiliation because not only were you getting beaten by fifty points, but most of the time you were getting the shit beaten out of the beaten out of you as well. So, you know, even though it was an attempt to lift team spirits by getting to a fight, often what would happen is that a third former would get smacked in the face and just start crying. Yeah, and you know that's that's not a good look on any rugby field.
2: And what I what actually um, I heard was happening there was that you'd be playing. Um, and you'd get, you'd get subbed off, and as you were walking off the field, you'd put the captain's call out, fight! And you'd go and sit on the bench. Yes. And uh, just watch your, watch your teammates get pounded.
1: Yeah, well, I was known, actually, when I was being subbed off, to throw the haymaker just as I was leaving the field, you know. And so I often didn't even get involved in the fight. I, where- I
2: fight. I just started the fight. And weirdly, you would punch the person that was subbing you off. Yes, Yeah. Which isn't great for team morale. Well, it's just a way of getting them fired up for the battle because let's be honest,
1: if you're playing a game of rugby, you can't be doing it half-ass, Mike. No, that's right. You have to be going in there, you know, full-volume, full-rage... Uh, and, and ready to hoe in from
2: the beginning. And nothing fires you up more than getting a punch in the face from your own captain before you have even played a minute. Yes. Yeah.
1: Exactly. So I think in that regard, uh, we have everyone. Oh, I mean, what
2: was your experience with rugby? Well, you know, I played. Uh, I see you
1: being a. I could see you being a wily
2: lock. Well, I tell you what. When I did the hacker, and I got my eyes a bulging. Oh yes. When I got my eyes a bulging, the opposition knew that they were in for a bit of a fight.
1: Yeah. Um. That would be pretty freaky, you know, watching you do a hucker with your eyes bulging out. To be fair, I'd find that intimidating myself.
2: And if I if I hadn't worn my undies that day, and they had the short shorts, and the, um, you know, old mate was sticking out the bottom. Yes, fearsome. Yeah, fearsome sight. So you doing the hucker uh,
1: with bulging eyes and your chewed-up genitalia <laughs> hanging out your shorts. I mean, that's going to put off any opposition. member. Well I don't care who
2: you are. It wasn't hanging out the whole time, but just at the end when you jump in there and you go, hey, you know, you put your arms above your head and tuck your knees back and go, hey. Yes. And it'll just dip out the bottom there. And, whew, anything that'll take their mind off the game. Yeah, sure. And that'll confuse them straight away. But um, I, didn't, I played, uh, as I said, soccer, and then I, I went to um, St. Patrick's Silverstream um, I know the for, school for a year of boarding and it, and it was really frowned upon that you'd play soccer um, you know back in those days they used to call it a gay sport and you know oh, question yeah. your sexuality Hero. and all that sort of stuff well I didn't even have a sexuality at that point I didn't know what I, well but, you
1: had the whole genitalia and issue, I didn't so. have any
2: I still didn't have any pubes right yeah so that was that was an issue when did was, they happen for you well you know the thing about it is you remember not having them you don't remember when they came in I do um you remember when mine came in
1: oh not when yours came in. I can remember when mine came in oh it was a great day it was a great day and it was it was the same time my voice changed but anyway carry on you I no, digress
2: you, I digress well mine didn't come in until the end of third form anyway because I spent the entire third form hiding myself away in the showers you yes. know open showers with other boys and you know uh, any weakness would be uh, would be pursued to the ends of the earth and you'd sort of be oh, bullied, yeah. bullied any way you could be. So.
1: Well, I, I look at you and, and what you were dealing with there. I mean, the fact that it was already a, gro- a grotesque situation, you know, and the fact that you were pubeless, that w- you you would have been mercilessly well,
2: attacked at school. Well, worse than pubeless, they were blonde. Oh, you remember no. you used to have the blondies. I
1: can never respect any man with blonde pubes. You know, I, I don't know, I just cannot, for the lo- there's something wrong about a man having blonde pubes.
2: What about New Zealand uh, kayaker Ian Ferguson? Oh, no, he's all right. Yeah, he's got yeah. great pubes, mm. really great pubes. So anyway, we got down there and uh, thought, oh, I'd better play rugby. So I signed up for uh, rugby and the coach was Mr. Le Livre, Mr. Le Livre. And um, yeah, it didn't go very well. I was playing on the wing, I think, and they never passed the ball out. Right, okay. So I just didn't bother playing anymore. Um, and then once I got back to of College, I started playing there, I think in the sixth, no, seventh form it was. And um, yeah, I was in the second 15 because I wasn't available for trials. And then I got called up to the first 15. Yes. played a, played a couple of games for the first 15. Um, Can you remember what position you, you I played? I played wing for the first 15. I don't see you as a winger. Oh, I'm extremely fast. Uh, are you? No, I'm okay. quick. I'm probably not as quick now at 43 as I was at you know 17. That
1: would have been the fact that you were quick was because you were so used to escaping for being attacked for having no pubes. Would that, would that have been why you were so fast?
2: Well, yeah, and also people were sort of going after me with a pitchfork because I thought I was some kind of witch because of my genitalia.
1: And your bulgy eye thing. Yeah, yeah. Well that's understandable. Um Are always
2: trying to drown me?
1: Yeah. Well they used to, interestingly enough, they when when I was in, you know, form 1 and form 2 at my school Dilworth School,
2: um, Oh.
1: they used to have hoyt hunts. That's what they were called. And it, because I had a stepbrother that was going to the school as well, um and he was about 4 or 5 years ahead of me, and so I'd be on the playground and you'd hear hoyt hunt and this group of seniors would just run after me and beat the crap out of me, and then throw my sandals on the roof. <laughs> True story.
2: That. So, just around the uh, the rugby thing, um, I played, and I was by no means great but I thoroughly enjoyed the rugby
1: yeah. loved the rugby I can see you um, being massively enthusiastic and extraordinarily unco
2: yeah I was falling over I'd, I'd tackle my own players like a
1: newborn um,
2: because the other thing is I'm colourblind, which I haven't mentioned before oh, so right. I have a real issue telling the difference between players jumpers so I was always tackling you know, your own players yeah 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 um, which didn't endear me to my teammates. Are you really colourblind? Yeah. Okay. Um, Was just, that
1: because of the thing that happened with the firework or is that, is that something that you've had from birth?
2: Well, weirdly, I mistake whites for blacks. Right, okay. So well, I thought I didn't have any. I thought my pubes were white. They were black, so you're they were black the colorblind. whole time. Right. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting because you do realise, of course, being colourblind, that, that, that precludes you from the army.
2: Yeah, and I've also got flat feet. Yeah, so have I, strangely.
1: I've got flat feet, but I'm not colourblind.
2: Right. Yeah, Yeah, no, there's nothing about me uh, that really screams, um, you know, physical specimen. I am a specimen. Like, back Mm. in the day, I'd be in one of those travelling circuses. yes. You yes. Know.
1: Well, I was going to say, you know, I, I'd consider you a specimen in, in the sense of the sort of specimens you get in like a jar at the at the museum. You know what I mean? It had yeah. to be a very elongated and long jar, to be fair.
2: That's right. It's the sort of thing, like if you saw me as a physical specimen in the jar and it was behind a the curtain, then they'd, you know, the people would be sitting out in their wooden chairs and then they'd draw back the curtain. Everybody's eyes would bulge out. Yes,
1: exactly. The horror show that
2: is Mike Monogue. Um, well, this is all great stuff, mate. I think we've got one more that we can oh, we fit can. in. Yeah, we're going to fit in one more, and this is the, uh, the pets, pets oh, chat. Oh, yes. Is that dog doing a shit on my lawn? Pet Advice with Jason Mike.
1: Cure team. I bought a parakeet for my son, thinking it would be an easy pet to maintain, but it's turned into a nightmare. It never stops squawking and has chewed most of its feathers out, so rather than having a beautiful plumage, it looks like a size one and a half chicken before it gets thrown in the oven. I want to kill it, but worry that my son might be upset. Help, Matthias on the Instagram. What a great question that is, Mike. That is a great question.
2: I've never really understood why people keep a bird. No, neither have I. I despise birds. Well, to me, the beauty of the bird is the flying. Yes. Now, if you're taking away the flying, what are we doing? Yeah. You're sticking it in a cage. You have to. Fi- you're just creating work for yourself. You have to clean the cage out. Yes. We had a ca- we had a bird when I was younger, a cockatoo or something or other. Guess what we called it? Cockatoo. Just cocky. Oh, cocky, yeah. Yeah, okay. mum came up with that. She acted like it was my idea, but it wasn't. But you're constantly having to clean out the cage. Yes, and um,
1: particularly your cockatoo, they're, they're big shitters.
2: They love a dump. Yeah. Um, even if you don't feed them anything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is what we tried to slow it down a bit, but it just squawked more and shat more, which mm. was weird.
1: Yeah, and, and and not only that, not only are birds horrific on the shitting front, but also they, particularly when you're feeding them the seeds, there's always seeds everywhere. You know what I mean? There's seeds all over the floor. There's seeds all around the cage. It's just, it's a bit of a nightmare, but just in re- reference to the fact that this is obviously a very unhappy bird, Yeah, uh, the fact that it's pecking itself to death, um, really tells you that there's some issues going on that may need some sort of veterinary ex- uh, expertise.
2: Uh, well, the trouble with taking these pets, you know, these birds, to a vet is it costs a lot of money. It does. And do you really want to invest money on a parakeet that's chewed most of its feathers out? just yeah. Just to save your son a bit of upset? Mm. Because the idea of pets is, um, you know, they're kept purely for human satisfaction aren't they yes you know um, sure they've got their right to life blah 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 but really they're to teach your children um, about the circle of life mm. and that with life and love for your pets at the end of that comes death um, so what you're doing it is doing with having pets is you're preparing your child for the fact that you will one day die yes so you're just giving them a little taste of that a little taste so that's why you bought the bird in the first place so this bird's going to die anyway so I think the question we go with here is how do we kill the bird? Yes. Um, to make it you know, a good lesson for your son, not too disturbing for your son, but just to speed the process up anyway. It's only going to last a couple of years anyway. Let's just speed things up a bit. So what would be the best way? To, um, to actually kill the bird. Yeah, I mean, you could leave it to its own devices, but I think the most traumatic thing there would be, you know, watching a bird on a day-to-day basis slowly pecking itself to death. Yeah. I mean, There's probably no slower way to go than that. No, and, but and, it and, is and nature. And,
1: and that's pretty traumatic as well. Well, it's nature. and so if, I mean, you don't see, generally speaking, birds in the wild pecking themselves to death. Uh, you know, you'd have to assume because this poor bird is locked in a cage with no food and it's shitting everywhere and it's having to walk in its own faeces, that that is contributing Somehow to its its
2: unhappiness. Yeah, maybe it's a bit stressed out. Yeah, it never stops squawking. Now, I can, can give you a tip on that because um, it is annoying. Yes. And um, what we used to do was just throw a blanket over the, uh, the cage twenty four seven. Yeah. So you, when you throw when you throw a blanket over the cage, is it
1: a heavy blanket, Mike? So that there's no light gets you in. You
2: can't have any light in there. That's key. Yeah, yeah. Because when when you put the heavy blanket over the cage. The bird thinks it's night. Yes. I mean, these things are, they're not, they're thick. You know, they're they're not very intelligent at all. Um, So you just leave it on there 24-7 and then it just starts sleeping a lot. Yeah. Um, It'll sleep 24-7 as well.
1: Yeah. And, you know, well, uh, you know, and I think it's a really important point to make and, and particularly when, you know, you're dealing with a bird like this, a very heavy, dense blanket over the cage that shuts off all natural light is, is certainly going to help you with the squawking because it is sleeping probably in its own feces.
2: That's right. And also what you would do there is, is you're getting your son used to seeing the blanket over the cage. Yes. Now, eventually what you do is you take that blanket um, and you soak it in water. Mm. And what that will do is it'll, it won't just keep out the light now. It'll keep out the majority of the oxygen. Yes. And it will just start um, inhaling its own methane. Mm. And that will eventually just gas... Um, we didn't get the birds out. We'll just gas it to death, and that's yeah. that's fairly humane way to go.
1: Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, there's obviously quicker ways. Um, I mean, that's quite a drawn out, painful, and miserable death. But, but in many respects, very humane as well. Just a, a gradual, slow gassing,
2: and inexpensive,
1: and inexpensive. You know, because I'm sure everyone's got an old blanket somewhere in the in the hot water cupboard that you can, you know, chop up a little bit and, and manufacture it to fit the cage properly.
2: Yeah, uh, another option you can have is, of course, they've got the perches inside the cage, don't they? So um, you could fabricate some kind of um, uh, a fall, a fatal fall. Yes. Um, the bird has slipped off its perch and uh, snapped its head off.
1: Yeah, well, Well, I, I mean, I, I don't know if we, if we want a scenario where the bird actually sma- uh, um, smacks its head off. Maybe that's just you know a, a broken neck, perhaps, oh, yeah. rather than fully yep. removing, decapitating the bird would be less traumatic.
2: Yeah, so yes. that's that's another option there. Um, yeah, I think yeah it's it is a tough one, mate. I know it's it's difficult with your son as well because you probably love your son um, and you don't want him to be upset, or maybe um, he's just annoying when he's upset and you're trying to avoid that. But um, look. I know from experience that once they get to the stage where they're pecking themselves to death, they don't stop squawking, they're living in filth, they don't clean up their own cage, it's done and dusted. It's time for the wet blanket. Yeah, uh, the horse. <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, it's time for the.
1: <laughs> absolutely. So, Matthias, um, I hope that helps. All so the best
2: with that. And it. Actually, Matthias, just let us know how it goes. Yeah, do. Um, and get in touch, touch about that cage as well, because I might be keen to buy that.
1: Yeah, nice stuff. Hey, well, I tell you what, uh, to all the people that have taken the time to listen, Mike and I greatly appreciate it. Make sure you go on our Insta uh, page. Mike, how else can they get in contact with well, us? Well, we've
2: got a couple of ways, mate. We've got, obviously, the Instagram, which is all talk with Jason Mike. Just jump on there. Give us a follow. Um, and also, we've got the email, which is all talk with Jason Mike at gmail.com fire us through any compliments you've got um, any questions you've got any advice that you're seeking anything like that but also when it comes to the podcast jump on wherever you get your podcasts subscribe like and give us a review and that really helps us pump up the charts there and uh and uh other than that, I don't know what it does, actually. It doesn't yeah. seem to be any benefit. Just
1: on that, can I? do we have a followers update? Uh, I believe we're at zero the last time yeah, we, we checked. Were, um, it's just Can I just ask on a technical level, do the followers, is that from everyone that listens to the podcast, or are they only followers like on Instagram, for example?
2: Yeah, they're only followers on Instagram, so they actually have to uh, physically go over there and do the following. So just to give you an update here, 60
1: Oh, that's not too bad, is it?
2: So, well, it was up at 100, and then they, that second episode came out, and it plummeted.
1: Oh, it plummeted down again. Yeah. yeah, well, we thought that was going to happen, though, didn't we? Yeah. Hey, well, you take care out there. Thanks for taking the time to listen, and we'll be back with uh, another podcast next week. Cheers, everyone. Sweet. Kia ora.